Hey, and welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. We are a church that is for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are passionate about helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So if you're just joining us for the first time, we would love for you to check out our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. There you can find ways to connect with us and see what's happening at Crosspoint. Now, let's listen to this week's Sunday message. to reunite his people, one family at a time. It started with Abraham. God separated him from the ruler's side. Through the Jews, all people would unite. And all throughout biblical history, God was working out this mystery of how he would end hostility toward the divine through this one family. That is the message Paul wrote from prison to the Ephesians, which was desperately needed. Let me pray for Phil. Phil Switzer. I got that right, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, app's good. Yeah. He's uh, part of our Crosspoint crowd. Uh, his wife has been a part of the team here in terms of leading worship and so on in the past. And uh, he graciously said that he'd love to preach. So I want to pray for him. And uh, so let's prepare our hearts to hear. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Phil. I thank you, Lord, for the journey you have led him in and how he has grown in you in many ways. And I thank you, Lord, that out of that experience, he is prepared to share your word. And so, Lord, I pray as he shares with us, our hearts would be open to hear the word, that we would be willing to learn and grow and follow where you lead. And, Lord, I pray for Phil, that you by your spirit would guide him in the words he chooses, and that, Lord, the message he brings would have the effect that you have intended. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Blessings. Thanks. Well, it's good to be here with you this morning. My wife is not here. She's actually in Vancouver speaking, which I don't know how well she'll do because she gets tired so quickly. I'm praying that she makes it through. So if you have any uh, thoughts of, of praying for her, please do that. She'll be uh, coming back tomorrow. No, I don't know, sometime this week, but she's away from me. That means I have to cook and Bryden has to cook, so it's been good. You know, when uh, Jim gave this to me, by the way, if you're on the video, this might be a little rough because I like to walk, so... So there's someone who can move that. Um, but as Jim had asked me to preach, it's from Ephesians 1, 9 to 14. And as I was reading through it, I would pray, I would read through it, and I was like, God, I'm not getting a lot here. Like this, and there's too much. That's what the problem is. But I'm trying to figure out, how do, I, how, do I, how do I do this? I remember so many times as I was praying, I kept getting the same thing coming through in my mind. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, Sorry, I, I am a crier. I always will be. But what I really feel like someone here needs to know this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Cornerstone of what we, we live is that we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, not that he is someone else's Lord. Not that he is just Lord, but that he is our Lord. Jesus is our Lord. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, that means that we, as we walk through our day, as we do things, we listen to what he says and we do what he tells us. I, I, I love watching uh, middle, uh, middle times, middle, what is that called? Medieval type of, uh, of video stuff. I love movies like that, uh, Braveheart, all these things. I love that. And in that, they always have lords. They always have lords in there. And those lords look after their people. And the people always need to do what their lord tells them. I know a lot of times people say, well, you just need to say the words. But it says, with your mouth, and let me just read it for you. If you confess to your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. God is asking for us to make him Lord of our lives. Let's go into the Ephesians 1.9. God has revealed to us his mystery, will, uh, mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fill, fulfill his good plan. I don't know if you're like me, but I love mystery and I hate mystery. I'm one of those guys that if you give me a riddle, I like it if I can get it. But if I can't get it, I hate it. So <laughs> I don't know. Some people just love working on things, um, math things. I do not enjoy that. I enjoy something where I know I can find it. You know what I really like doing? I'm a little, I'm going to tell you one of the weird things I do. But I, sometimes I look for friends on Facebook or Instagram. I will look for hours just looking, trying to find them, because I really want to know what's going on in their life, but even more than that, sometimes my girls would have a boy they liked, <laughs> and I'd try to find them. My kids would never, would never give me the full name, and I'm talking about one of my kids mainly, Sid, <laughs> but she would never want to give me the full name because I would try to find them. I'm pretty good at it, usually. And there was times that she was overseas and she had someone she liked and I'm searching everybody who's been in YWAM with a certain name. I mean, and they lived in this certain town and she was so mad at me every time I did this. But I loved finding what was hidden to me. I really loved it. And even a guy at work, he's dating right now, and he's, he's, uh, he's on these, he's not a Christian guy, so, but he's going through these things. I don't know what it's, swipe right, swipe, whatever that is. He's swiping, and he finds a girl, and he says, I don't know what she's like. What's she like? I said, well, give me the name. <laughs> I found one. It's very hard, by the way. And I have a feeling a few of you are looking down on me as I'm a little creepy or something, but... <laughs> I just really love to find what's hidden. I do. I just have always enjoyed that. Um, and in here, the mystery that is hidden here, or was hidden, it's not hidden anymore. But for years, as a Jew, they, would, they pretty much didn't believe that a Gentile could be saved. I, I love um, listening to books. I, I love the idea of reading a book, but it takes me forever so I like getting audiobooks, and I put them in the car. And I've been listening to ones on Ezra and Nehemiah. But what they are is they're, um, they're 
they, they take it and go a little more on it. They expound on it. So they, they take Nehemiah, but they have all these extra characters that are not in the Bible. And what's neat about it is there's Edomites. And there's all these different people who love Jesus. Or back then it would have been love God and were following God's ways. But they weren't treating them like they were God's people. And that's because they didn't really believe they were God's people at all. They weren't allowed to be that. But when Jesus died on the cross... And came back to life. We had the chance to become the children of God. My, um, my daughter had, my youngest, that is bride, and she's downstairs doing a fire drill with the kids. But she, she had some of her friends over one day. And uh, <laughs> do you ever feel like as a dad you're trying to be cool, but you know you're not? Well, I, that, that's me a lot. <laughs> But I enjoy getting to know the kids. And so they were young. They were probably, I don't know, 12 at the oldest. And I was like, so what do your mom and dad do? Do you have uh, brothers and sisters? And I'm trying to be cool. And this one girl goes, yeah, I have an older sister and a younger sister. I said, oh, have you ever told your younger sister she's adopted? Because <laughs> I heard of people doing that. I was never told that as a as the youngest in the family, but I heard of these people saying that, like, oh, yeah, you're adopted. She looks at me and she goes, no, because she is. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that funny. I didn't, <laughs> I thought it'd be funny. <laughs> my <laughs> my bride didn't laugh. No one laughed at the table. I was mortified. <laughs> and then I was like, well, is she a good sister? She goes, yeah, she's a great sister. She's my sister. That is what the mystery is, is that we got to become the children of God through adoption. We're not the original children. The original children are the Jews. And that's okay, that's good. You imagine right now, over in Israel, in Palestine, in the West Bank, in Gaza, if they came together in peace. That'd be awesome. That'd be so cool. Amen. If there, was, if there was the Palestinians who became Christian, maybe they're Muslim right now, I'm not sure, but they come, become Christians and the Jews become followers of Jesus and we see unity. That would be a mystery, an unhidden, a, a hidden thing that became a reality. That is God's plan. Ultimate plan is to do that, to bring us all together. I don't know how cool that would be in your minds, but in my mind, it's blowing when I think of that. I've been to Israel, and I love the Jewish people, and I love the Palestinian people. My father-in-law was raised, actually, in Bethlehem. So that was back when he was there. It was part of Jordan. It's now part of the West Bank. And I've been there. And for him, it's really hard because he sees the Jews as the people of God. But he also knows that the Palestinians are loved by God. And he hates that there's this conflict. In our, in our society here, we don't really probably understand that war that much. Even when I've been there, they always thought I was 81 when I first went. And I remember my teacher said to me, why are you going to Israel? <laughs> and I said, my, mom, my dad's leading a, a tour there. It's going to be so much fun. He goes, do you understand Israel 
that was back when Lebanon and Israel were not doing really well together. And I was like, I don't know. It's got to be okay if my dad's going to take me there. And he says, no, it's, you shouldn't go. It's super dangerous there. In 81, it was supposedly really bad. I remember going there, I saw nothing. I remember we went to the, like, we actually went up to where Lebanon is, and there's guys with machine guns. I mean, that was a little freaky, but super cool, too, when you're in grade nine. I was like, I want to hold the gun. But I remember thinking that not much of it. I didn't really understand the war. I didn't understand what was going on. But, but God has called us to be unified, which is part of his plan, which is part of his big plan. And in that, something that we as Christians here in Canada and in the West, we always think of Christianity or our Christian walk as a solo sport. Like a lot of times we do. My, my youngest, I, I, I like telling about my family a lot, and they don't like it, but that's okay. I'm up here. They're not. Um, but my youngest wrestles. She's a girl. She wrestles. She's good. She won provincials in her grade 12 year, not even a point score on her. That's me bragging, partly because I was the coach. <laughs> I, was, I was a coach in, like, sort of, I really wasn't her coach, but I was, sort of. She was at Millwood's Christian School where they had no one who wrestled there. So they needed someone to look after it, so I did. She wrestles for Edmonton uh, Wrestling Club back then. But it's not, a, it's not a wrestling, even though it's an individual sport, it's, it's still a group sport. Because how does she get better? She doesn't practice by herself. She doesn't go to a gym and go, okay, here's the double leg all by herself. Well, they do that a little bit. It's just mock wrestling, but... They, they need someone to go against. They need someone to make them better. We in Christianity, a lot of times, other than church, do it alone. I don't think that's our, the way it should be. Christianity came out of uh, Israel, and Israel is based on a different system than we are here. We're a cold climate people. They're based on a hot climate. I don't know if you know the, the idea of those things. If anybody here is from Africa or you're from India, or you're from places where it's hot. I lived in India for two, almost two years. And the difference in how we think of things is totally different. When you're in India and you say, oh, I'm going to spend all my time by myself in a house. Like I had a friend of mine. They were going away and another friend was going to move into their house. A single guy all by himself. And I remember the worker said, why would you want to be by yourself? Aren't you going to be scared? There might be ghosts. And then my friend, he's Norwegian. He goes, no, I love being alone. They're like, you like being alone? I hate being alone. And I started researching of this before I went to India. We researched a little bit on this so we could understand a bit more. But the hot climate, what do they value? They value things like relationship or it's more, sorry. Hot climate is relationship orientated. Indirect communication. Group identity. Inclusion. Hospitality is spontaneous and event orientated. We, on the other hand, I'm not saying one's better than the other, but there are some good things on both sides. I believe. Cold climate is task-orientated. If you've ever noticed, that is very much how we are. Direct communication, individualism. Well, 
and I'll explain about that, and privacy. We love our privacy. Hospitality is structured. Someone needs to call me before they come over. And it is time-orientated. So I remember being in India. Let me just give you an idea of how this works. So when I'm in India and I wanted to put up a picture, now this could have changed. It's been a few years since I've been there. But when I was there, if I wanted to put up a picture in my house, I would phone a guy who owned a drill to come over to my house to put a hole in my wall, put a screw in there, and then hang my picture. That sounds very odd to me here because I'm just going to go to my garage here, grab my drill, drill a hole, and put it in. What's the difference? The difference is we were meeting each other. That's part of it. We needed each other and just putting a picture up. When I heard that, I, I was amazed. I, I didn't hang any pictures in India because of that because I was scared of people. Maybe they're, I, don't, I, I didn't really have any issues with pictures. I, I just don't decorate. But, but when I look at this, this is Christianity needs to be, I believe, needs to be more of a hot culture because that's where it was based out of. That's where we were based out of. We need to, have you ever wondered what it would be like to do your devotions together? We always call it our quiet time or our private time, but it doesn't have to be. Jesus called his three with him as he went to go pray. They fell asleep. But we could do that. We could be people who do that, who we work together, how we come together and we know the will of God together. In this, let me just, Christian life is not to be lived alone. Church is important. Meeting with other Christians is important. Doing our devotions is something I think we could do together more. The Father, Father brought us together, Jews and Gentiles, through the death and resurrection on the cross. If you look at Ephesians, that's what they were. They were not just Jews. They were Jew and Gentile working together. Furthermore, because we have united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance. He made everything work, work out according to his plan. God, God started his plan with the Jews. We know that. The Jews came from Abraham. Abraham was the father of the Jews. Uh, they were, so, so to speak, the firstborn. And back in that culture, the firstborn, they were the ones who got the inheritance. It wasn't shared. Now, if you were the firstborn and you had the inheritance, you had to look after the rest. So it wasn't, it wasn't that they were neglected, but you looked after the rest. The first followers of Jesus were actually Jews. You know, I, I, I was a youth pastor. I was in ministry for about 15 years, doing youth ministry and working in India and different things like that. I never really grasped that until I was doing a Bible study with some young adults. And we were talking about it. We were going through how Paul, as he was in the synagogue with the Jews, and they would start fighting, and they'd want to kill him. And all of a sudden, I was like, man, they're all Jews. Like, everybody was a Jew at first. And they were Christians. Well, they weren't called Christians, if you know. They weren't called Christians till later. But they were Jews, and they followed Jesus, and they met in the synagogue. They were actually probably called a sect of Judaism. I remember a guy one time, when he heard that Jesus was a Jew, he's like, no, he wasn't. He was a Christian. 
And the guy looked at me and he says, do you think he wore a cross on his neck too? He said, of course he did. No. Jesus was a Jew. And that is not a wrong thing. That's a good thing. That's, that's what God's plan was. And God brought us in as adoption. Just like that friend of my daughter's who was adopted. It was a good thing. Has a great life. Has a good family. She's part of the inheritance of their family. We are part of that inheritance. What is the inheritance? What inheritance did we get from God? The inheritance is that we became children of God, number one. If that's all it is, that's pretty good. I couldn't believe it when I was studying one time. If you look through Judaism on what some of their beliefs were, there was a time when there was, a, there was groups of them that didn't believe in eternal life, that didn't believe in anything after death. And when I heard that, I thought, well, isn't that the whole point? And as I read through it, they're like, no, the point was to live for God here. So they've got that part where sometimes we live to die. They live to serve God. We, live to, we should be living to serve God here so that we also have the next part of the inheritance, which is eternal life with Jesus. I probably won't get much of an inheritance from my dad or my in-laws, which I'm totally good with. Just know that my kids probably won't get much of one either. But the inheritance that we do get from my in-laws and my mom and dad is the knowledge, is the upbringing of being a Christian. My dad is a pastor, was a pastor. He's 87 years old. I still remember almost every week he would talk about the gospel, and that this is us, this is our sin. I'll try not to cry. <clears throat> and that God would take our sin and place it on Jesus. And the sin was no more. When you put your trust in Jesus, he takes your sin away. Even more than that, it's gone after that. It's not just on Jesus, it was put on him at the cross, but when he rose again, it was nullified. Hard to believe that the sin you do, the sin you will do, has all been paid for. If it wasn't paid for, then what do we do? Jesus has to die again? No. What the scripture says, he says, he can't die again for sins at will. We have to understand that our sins have all been looked after. That, God is, uh, that Jesus has died for all those. God's purpose was that we Jews, this is Paul talking, not me, we Jews were the first ones to come to Christ and would bring praise and glory. So we see that in that, that time of the Ephesians, they were bringing other people to know Jesus. Paul was a groundbreaker. I don't even know how he survived as long as he did. There were so many Jews that wanted to kill him because of bringing Gentiles one, he brought a Gentile into the synagogue and there was things that he did that, that's why, one of the reasons he was being killed or being on his way to being killed in Rome was he'd done some things where you shouldn't do as a Jew, but he did it because God had told him to. And 
we look at this and we see that in Romans 11, this is something I really love. Romans 11 is something that is so good. It talks about us being grafted into the tree. So the family tree of the Jews, we were grafted in. And I remember talking to a guy at work, not a Christian, same guy who I was looking up people for him. And he looked at me one day and he goes, so you're, are, you, are you Christians sort of like new Jews? I, I, at first I was like, no. See, I thought he was just trying to annoy me, which he does quite well. And I said, no. And then I thought, wait, wait, hold on. Yeah. We are sort of like new Jews. Or he goes, are you sort of Jew-ish? And I was like, well, sort of. Yeah, we don't follow the old ways because we're now saved by Christ. And it's not that the law is gone. It's just been fulfilled. We still have a law. It's just been fulfilled. And that is not how we become Christians. We don't become a Christian by living a perfect life. Because if we did, and as the Jews realized, you can't do that. The Jews realized it, all it was was a stumbling block to them. When they realized, when Jesus came, they're like, well, this doesn't make sense. Because I'm supposed to be doing it all by the law. But Jesus is saying he's taking care of it. Well, this isn't making sense to me. How do I do it? Well, how you do it, you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the one who is our salvation. So we are sort of Jew-ish. We are new Jews because we put our faith in Jesus. I just want to actually just go to the end here. It says, this is summing up what we have here. God loved you, chose you, created you, adopted you, purchased you, redeemed you, forgave you, and sealed you. You are his. There is nothing you did to earn these spiritual blessings. They are solely, they are solely rooted in his character, desire, good pleasure. Amid the truth of God's immeasurable love for you, there is a greater, even a greater story at play. God displayed his plan by uniting Jew and Gentile as one under Christ and is in the process of bringing everything in the universe under his authority. Unlike humans who crave control when given it, come up short, God has a vision, the plan, the power to unite everything in heaven and on earth. I want to go back to if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I believe there's someone here that has never done that. I believe that God has set up this massive plan. If you look at it, it's not from, you know, last year to this year. It's from the beginning to now. He set up this plan where he brought the Jews in the Jews would take a lamb and they would sacrifice it. The sacrifice of that lamb took away their sin. And then we see that Jesus becomes the ultimate sacrifice as he is the spotless lamb. And he's sacrificed for us. And if you look at how the Jews got saved is actually by looking forward to that sacrifice. They knew, they knew that that was just a symbol. 
They knew that it was. They knew it, it, was, it was not the be-all, end-all. They knew they looked forward to having a Messiah. But right now, I just pray for whoever it is here. Don't feel weird about it. This is awesome. You're, you're in a group of people who, if we know that you, you want to give your life to Jesus, there's nothing that affects me more than knowing when someone has went from unsaved to saved. Oh, you want to get me crying. I'll be bawling. I'm going to pray right now and our time. If you, want to, if you want to pursue this more, if you'd like to talk to some about that, we were going to have a prayer time over here. Just come and talk to them. Just say, hey, I want, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm just going to pray, and then I'll hand it over to who's doing the benediction. Okay. Dear Lord, I thank you for this, this time you've given me to, to speak. Lord, I pray you take the jumbledness or whatever didn't make sense to the people. Lord, I pray you would make sense of that. God, I just pray for those that have a stirring in their heart right now, Jesus, to give their lives to you. Lord, I pray that they would give everything over. They wouldn't be afraid. They wouldn't put it off till next week. So Lord, I just pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's message. We hope that we've helped you in your spiritual journey and that you're drawing closer to God. At Crosspoint, we gather on Sundays at 10 a.m. in Northeast Edmonton and throughout the week in something we love to call home groups. Home groups are encouraging and transformational communities for people just like you. We believe that the journey of faith is done together. So we hope that you'll connect with us at thecrosspointchurch.ca. Now, let me remind you of who you are. You are the people of God, called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be who you are.